Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Are you ready? Let's make some noise. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Broad Street Line. I'm Roy Burton alongside me, as always, my tag team partner and a man who is one year older today, one Chris Domingo. Mr. Domingo, how are you doing as always, as we say during this pandemic, this air quote, Saturday morning, sir? I'm feeling I'm feeling older and I'm not feeling any wiser, but thank you. Hey, look, hey, look, we always have to celebrate certain things on this show. And again, we celebrate another year on this planet. We have a very special celebration on this week's show because our guest, you know, a, a lot of people might see him on our show, might hear him on our show, think he might have some kind of honorary status or something like that. No, the honorary tag gets ripped off today. It's time. <laughs> full-blown ooze himself one chris stevens joins the show once again mr stevens thank you for joining us my friend thank you and obviously i am feeling very oozy joining you guys today so thank <laughs> you all for having me really excited to wrap up 2022 with y'all yeah we are here on 106.5 fm wppm lp philadelphia to put a bow on the year that was 2022 we had a lot of things that happened locally a lot of things that happen nationally. And of course, we, you know, when, when Chris is, Mr. Stevens is with us, we're going to talk some wrestling. So we make no apologies for what we're going to do throughout the last 20, 25 minutes of this show. But um, we're here and we're going to kind of get right into it. But again, before we do anything, please do us a solid. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter at SKD215 is Chris Domingo. I'm at the BS line. Chris Stevens is at CJ writes the letter N and things, T-H-A-N-G-S. We're always going crazy on Twitter. Like, Chris is probably, I don't know, I've been tweeting about the World Cup for the, the past six weeks. Chris is, as Chris Domingo has a lot of money riding on his fantasy football. I don't know, how many leagues are you in? Like, you're in multiple. No, leagues, just right? two. Just two. Okay, just like, two. Okay. Yeah, no, like, no, this is, no, now we're in the money making uh, round and I'm nervous. So let's go, Christian Watson. <laughs> And, and Chris Stevens coming up in a week or so, you have a very special thing that you'll be tweeting about uh, pretty soon. Is that correct? Ah uh, yes, um, I will be on WDEL one hundred one point seven here in Wilmington, Delaware. I will be joining Sean Green covering uh, Howard High School of Technology versus Newark High School boys basketball. It will be my radio debut as a color analyst after twenty one years as a sports journalist as a sports writer. So the Delaware community gets to hear my voice for the first time. So I'm very excited about that. Very thrilled about this opportunity. Nice, nice double radio dip for you over the next seven or eight days or so here. So, again, we have a lot to talk about. Follow us on Twitter. And, again, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, YouTube Music, Spotify, all that good stuff. Just do a search for the Broad Street Line. Download us to your phone, your computer, your iPad, your MP3-enabled device. Listen to us at home or take us with you on the go. We are a very, very accessible station, uh, show. And please check out our station as well, phillycam.org, 106.5 FM. Contribute, share the link. Let the people know about public radio in Philadelphia. All right. I don't know if you guys ever do this, but I mean, I do this as part of the show, but I'll go back and look back at some of the notes that I've written over the, over the, over the months as, as I do my podcast. I know Chris Stevens, you have a podcast as well. I go back and look at old notes every now and then just to see, just to kind of get a, a feel of what happened over the last six months or a year or whatever like that. I went back to January of 2022. I forgot half the stuff happened. Like this year, this was the year that the railing collapsed at FedEx Field and almost took out Jalen Hurts. That was this calendar year. I had no recollection of that until I went back and saw that. But that was one of the big things that happened, of course, in the first quarter of 2022. But the biggest thing in terms of Philadelphia anyway, that happened in the first quarter of 2022, not the Eagles losing to the Bucks, not the flirtation with Russell Wilson, which never came to pass, but of course, the infamous trade, Ben Simmons sent to Brooklyn for James Harden. I will start with you, Chris Stevens. Looking, knowing everything that we know right now, do you still pull the trigger on that move? Absolutely. Okay. I still feel like that, yes, right now, 
Australian rules, Etwan Morris playing like he has some common sense, but you can't, you couldn't wait around any longer. And while Daryl Morey still deserves a lot of wreck for some of the other moves that he has or hasn't made, I still feel like you have to pull the trigger on the Harden thing at some point, especially if you still get to keep Tyrese Maxey. Like, if, if Tyrese Maxey's averaging 25 points a game for the Brooklyn Nets right now, then obviously we're having a totally different conversation. But, right. you know, you just wait for Maxey to get back from the foot injury. And this team still has an outside shot. I still say that this team will be better served with Sam Cassell in charge. But make hindsight being 2020, you still make that trade. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think we're all in agreement on this thing. And Chris, I'll, I'll, I'll hand this to you. And I know you, you agree on this. But let me let me just ask you a question specifically before you talk about that part. After what we saw, you know, after the trade and then after the first arrival in Philadelphia when he didn't play and wore the Louis Vuitton hockey jersey, the game where we were at and, and we had a chance to boo him. And after his actual return to Philadelphia, where he actually played, but he played the Sixers G League squad and the Nets won that game. After all this. No, the Sixers won that game. I'm sorry, the Sixers won again. Excuse me, my apologies. To see you correct. After all of this, have you gotten the hate out of your system finally no. at the end of 2022? No, it'll never. It, it will never. It, you know what? I feel like every year, you know how like people get uh get their booster shots. I get my Ben Simmons booster hate <laughs> shot every year. I need it. No, like I don't know. It it makes me feel it it, it makes me feel immune to reality. And you know what? I, you know what, you go through your notes, Roy, you know what I do? I just lay in my bed and just think, because those are my notes. And I realized, I, like, when you said that that hard trade happened, I feel like, like, I still think, I still can't believe, like, the Colts blew, like, a 33-point lead. Like, I feel that, like, that happened three weeks ago. Like, it's wild how just things just, like, I don't know, like, it, it, it's weird to think, like, 365 days is a long time. But it really is a long time. And, and like, I, I think mentally, I feel like nowadays it feels like 1.5 times longer. But no, mm-hmm. but back to the Simmons thing, I go through his game log. He had a six-game stretch where he played like a like an all-star. And then after that, he was being a bum again. So I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what we're trying to like. I don't know, like, oh, we're oh, we're gonna like regret a trade. For trading a guy who's th- who's who's dropping eight, five, and six, and I I get that Harden is flawed, I, and like I don't know, I think we've discussed this at length. Like I don't know, he is who he is, but you know, you know who he is, a guy that like I don't know that that I, for the last year has been known more known for what he's wearing on the bench than what he's doing on the court. So I'll I do that trade 101 out of 100 times. I'm not sure what what the result is like i i feel like it will be a net positive but i think like i don't know we, we we'd all agree that i we hoped that the hard and arrow would 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 be a little more fruitful than it has been yeah yeah i think we can agree on that yeah i think i think we all you know know where well, we look I don't think we 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 thought we were gonna get this James Harden, but whatever James Harden got, more or less, was gonna be better than whatever the alternative was with having that you know the Louis Vuitton Don himself you know stay here um, as a member of the Sixers. But just to kind of go back to your point about you know this this year feeling long again, this was the same year again. We're eleven months removed from the whole Calvin Ridley situation. Calvin Ridley could have been an Eagle instead of AJ Brown, but he liked putting parlays down under his own name on DraftKings, and that's the reason why AJ Brown is a Philadelphia Eagle. Who we'll talk about. Um, in, in a little bit, but the Calvin Ridley thing happened this year. Of course, we got the Brady retirement, unretirement this year. Aaron Rodgers for for retirement. He went to the he went to the jungle, got high, got two million two hundred million dollars, came back. That was this year. This has been a wild, wild year. And that was just the first part of twenty twenty two. As you guys know, of course, the whole Carson Wentz traded again after Jim Irsay sat on an airplane tarmac and just ripped him apart. Like this was this was a very long year um, for for um, for for us as sports fans. And, and for fans um, of wrestling as well, because the first uh, part of 2022 was also filled with a lot of stuff. Of course, we'll talk about that later in the show. But again, Big E dropping the title on the first day of the year to Brock Lesnar. Braun Breaker winning the NXT title. Triple H retiring from in-ring action. Cody Rhodes coming back from AEW to WWE, which we'll talk about uh, later. And of course, you know, one of our greats, the three of our, one of our favorites, um, the passing of, of the legendary Scott Hall. And, and Chris Stevens, I'll ask you again, I know you're a huge, you were a huge Scott Hall fan, just like the rest of us. You know, what, 
does Scott Hall mean to you as a wrestling fan? And what did he, what did he mean to you? Uh, what did he mean to the world of wrestling as, at large? You don't have modern wrestling from the psychological gimmick standpoint without Scott Hall and Kevin Nash jumping ship and becoming the outsiders in 1996. You just don't. Of course, Hogan was the, you know, the surprise one because, you know, it was, it was Hulk Hogan, even though we know that the real life Terry Bollea is a legit heel. Um, Hulk Hogan was a baby face for almost 15 years. And for him to turn, that was the biggest shock, but you can't pull that off unless you have two heat magnets like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And Scott Hall was a legit heat magnet because once we found out he wasn't actually Cuban, he was actually <laughs> a, a, a Caucasian kid from a military family born in St. Mary's County, Maryland, for crying out loud. Um, he was one of those big guys that's, you know, him, Taker, Nash, that moved like basketball players. Because a lot of big guys before those guys, like the King Kong Bundys, the Kamal, the Ugandan Giants of the world, the Andre the Giants, those guys were sips. But Hall was 6'6", 260 pounds, could move like a deer, was still strong as an ox. Like, no one had seen anything like the Razor's Edge until he started doing it. And just the absolute attitude, you know, the toothpick, the, hey, yo. And, you know, you come here to see WCW? You know? (laughs) Or, or. Did you come to see the, and, you know, you're just not going to get guys like, I mean, there are, I mean, there are charismatic guys who can play both roles, play both sides of the fence as a heel in the face. But Scott Hall was one of a kind. You know, you got a guy that, you know, just literally went to Vince's office faking his Tony Montana and made himself a legend. Yeah. And we all we all yeah. rooted for him to do well. You know, it was like he was doing well. And then, you know, just that one thing, you know, you, you fall in your house and that's it. And it sucks yeah. because he just seems like he was doing well. But I just hope wherever Scott Hall's spirit is, he knows that he is still very much loved and a huge part of a lot of wrestling fans' lives. Absolutely right, and and you're right. You know, like I, I thought for the longest time, I thought he like really was, you know, hanging out in Calle Ocho, you know, like just doing the whole Tony, you know, Tony Montana Scarface, you know, like turning over tables. Like I thought that was real, man. Like I bought into it, and and he, he it's a testament to him for making again, again, he's a white dude from Minnesota. He made that character work, and he and he and he and he made Scott. He made so you know Razor Ramon work, and he made the NWO work. And again, he was the first guy. Like he was the first NWO guy. He was the guy, the first guy who showed up, you know, you know, with the quote unquote ticket sitting in the stands, you know, for the, for the whole takeover thing. So again, like Scott Hall, again, a, a, just a, just an absolute amazing worker in the ring, amazing worker away from the ring. And, and again, his memories will last long for, 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 for decades um, among wrestling fans. A- absolutely. Um, I do. No, want to Roy, oh, yeah. sorry. Roy, uh, uh, no, I, uh, no, I feel that like, I don't know, like Scott Hall really, or Razor Ramon, he really was the first guy to kind of, I don't know, be the in-between heel babyface. Because I mm-hmm. think he was so cool that, like, because usually before, like, there was that, like, line where, like, this guy was a bad guy. Like, even, like, even as cool as Macho Man was, you never heard people cheer Macho Man when he was supposed to get booed. People booed. And, like, I think that goes to the, I guess, to the sophistication of the audience, too. But I feel that, like, I don't know, the vignettes that set him up, he really was the first tweener. Like, where, like, I don't know, I think he was so cool that, like, even the eight-year-old kids are like, Daddy, this this dude, I I, I want machismo, Dad. And, like, I don't know, I feel that, like, I, but I feel that that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't work with a guy, anyone else who is trying to portray the Razor character other than Scott. No, it, it, it absolutely doesn't. And again, for those who don't know, please do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube, search Razor Ramon. I don't know if it's vignettes or Razor Ramon debut or something. Like, you'll probably find, like, those clips of him in Miami doing Miami things, um, you know, before his debut as that character. Um, again, some incredible character work before he stepped in a ring as that character. We'll talk about Miami in a second because the Sixers actually went down to Miami and lost to them um, in the Eastern Conference semifinals um, in the second part of the year. But before that, of course, the big news, at least from a local standpoint uh, for us, was the Eagles trading for A.J. Brown on draft night. For those of you, I don't know if we talked about this specifically on the show, but for those of you who listen to this show regularly, you know that the two of us, specifically me, do not like to stay at sporting events for the entire time. We like to beat the traffic. We don't want to deal with people. We want to just get a get in, 
do your thing and get out. And we were leaving the draft party like before the Eagles were supposed to pick with their second, well, we thought they're supposed to pick with their second pick because they had the first pick they traded for. They got AJ Brown. Chris is like, yo, let's get out of here. We're leaving the draft party. We're flipping through our phone and we'd see, oh, the second pick ain't a pick no more because now it's going to the Titans for AJ Brown. So, Mr. Domingo, I will ask you that I'm going to take you back to that day in April. What was on your mind when you saw the news that AJ Brown was an Eagle? I can't focus on getting home as fast as I can. I have to like sit in my car for five minutes and process <laughs> this. And then like, then I could sit in traffic on I-95 under construction. Oh, I feel that like, and sometimes you like, I don't know, like I try not to be the fanniest fan. Like I try to like, I don't know, like be realistic about like, I don't know, like is this guy, like, I don't know, like how much does this change the fortunes of the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, whatever. I didn't think that, like, I, I I mean, like, you've seen the history, like, I don't know, T.O. came here, even, even recently, Stephon Diggs, like, has helped Josh Allen, like, immensely, but you don't know if every one of these hits, like, those two. It has. And, I, I mean, like, A.J. Brown has already, has already set career highs in receiving yards. I, I mean, like, like, I feel right now the Eagles 2022 season looks like a Madden season on rookie, or pro at least. Where, like, I don't know, you have, like, four guys with 10 sacks. Like, uh, like I don't know, two guys potentially with 1,000 yards receiving. I don't know. Like, I, I feel this is like a, like, <laughs> like we're going to be talking at some point about the historical place in Eagles lore with this team. Because, like, I, I don't know, like, they're, they're going to have the one seed, barring some unforeseen d- disaster. Because if it happens, I won't be here anymore. I will be in New Mexico, never watching sports ever again if they don't have the one seed. But, I, I mean, I feel that, like, I don't know, A.J. Brown was that, like, I, I think he was the fuse that lit this season. I, I don't know, especially in terms of the offense. Um, I just want to add one footnote to that because you mentioned the, the two receivers who could have a 1,000 yards. You mentioned the four guys who could have 10 sacks. You did not mention the 1,000-yard running back who has the 10 touchdowns, Bob nope. Sanders. I just, want to nope. put that, I just want to put that addendum on that because I know you just it was a 40-inch slip. You just kind of forgot it. You know, it's one of those things. But Miles Sanders having, having a career year himself, um, not mentioned earlier by you, but I just wanted to kind of put that out there. Um, but, yeah, but the Eagles, again, making the big trade for A.J. Brown, drafting to Jordan Davis, showing up the interior defensive line. The Sixers, I mentioned before, lost to the Heat in six games in the second round of the playoffs. Um, they actually beat the Raptors in the first round of the playoffs, no thanks to one Matisse Thibel, who, speaking of booster shots, as you mentioned earlier, um, Matisse Thibel did not finish his vaccine regimen, so was not eligible to play in those games in Toronto uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, so the, we had that, and we had Bryce Harper and John Segura miss several months with injuries on the Phillies' front, and the Phillies, again, with Harper and Segura out, you know, didn't play that well, and that led to the firing of Joe Girardi, which had some very, very fortuitous consequences, which we'll discuss in a second. Nationally, uh, Kevin Durant said, get me off of this old Nets, Nets thing. The Warriors win, won the NBA title, and of course, the whole live golf thing, which we really, really talked about on this show. But wrestling-wise, quarter two was a huge, huge quarter. We got the news about Ric Flair's final match, and we have no idea whether it's even going to be his final match, because the man probably needs a paycheck in an hour. Um, we got the MJF pipe bomb on AEW. We got the massive news, which we'll talk about a lot later. The Vince McMahon stepping away as a chairman, but huge news. WWE right before an episode of Raw, Sasha and Naomi walk out. Uh, Chris Stevens, I will ask you the question again. We are at the end of 2022. Did you think we'd have some kind of resolution by this? Did you think the two of them would be back by, by the time that we turn the calendar to 2023? I did. I honestly thought that, you know, especially with the way the whole Vince thing panned out. We'll talk more about that, obviously, in a minute. I honestly thought that, you know, trips would bring them back to the table and work something out, and it hasn't happened. And I feel like there's an element of, hmm, I feel like there's an element of Sasha being, you know, getting that, having that reputation as being a diva or whatever and dragging Naomi along for the ride that people are going to misconstrue because Naomi was a veteran in WWE long before Sasha even got there. Like she was, the, she, she wasn't the NXT women's champion. She was the FCW women's <laughs> champion. I mean, right. 
There, before NXT, there was FCW for you, um, Johnny Come Lately wrestling fans. All those of us who are the OGs, we remember FCW. And Naomi's been around forever. I mean, for crying out loud, she was she was paired with Cameron and uh, <laughs> and, Bro- and Brodus Clay, or or now better known as NWA Heavyweight Champion Tyrus. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know that woman worked her way. Fox, Fox. News commentator, Tyrus. <laughs> oh, God, don't remind me. Yeah. He, um, that woman worked her way literally from the ground up to be two-time SmackDown Women's Champion. And Sasha, you know, she's... We already talked about, you know, Tony Montana with Scott Hall. Sasha wants the world and everything in it. Yeah. And she's earned it. Like, I said it before. If Mercedes, Justine, Cashner, Bernard retired today at 30, she would have a top three women's wrestling career and you know you have to make a stand and people are like oh they don't show up but why 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 would you not why would you not show up to work even when you're unsatisfied that's the point (laughs) if you're upset about something you know you have to shake the table at some point and i honestly thought that Mm -hmm. trips would bring them back to the table and get something done but it doesn't look like it's gonna happen it looks like that uh sasha is going elsewhere and naomi's you know is chilling right now but i hope at some point that both of them come back, but we'll talk more about how that division has managed to level out even in their absence because of one special woman in particular. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely kind of get into that uh, later later in the show. You, t- you mentioned uh, Triple H, again, Triple H in the third quarter of the year um, basically took over from for Vince McMahon. He brought back just about everybody that Vince fired. Um, some of those, you know, some of those contracts he signed are good. Some of them have been, have been bad. Tear up those hit row contracts immediately, Trip. Tear them up. If you need me to light a fire to those hit row contracts, especially top dollars contract, I will drive to Stanford and do it. That was a mistake. I know for me, I know you probably wanted to put some of these guys on house shows. I know you probably want to send them to NXT Europe. I don't care. Don't put them on my TV. All right. I don't want no, no, AEW. No. I don't want hit row on my TV. Thank you. I'm sorry. No, man. Dude, like, dude, AJ Francis, his government name, was doing this scavenger hunt thing. Like, he, he, it was a great show. Like, no, no I... No, no, no. Like, go, go, go find yourself some wrestling moves, all right? And then you come back, all right? <laughs> NXT level up. You could be on that. That's on YouTube. Don't put, the, don't put them on my SmackDown. Don't put them on my Raw. Don't put them on Saturday Night Main Event. Don't put them on anything I can turn on on Peacock. I'm sorry. I'm tired of top uh, hit row. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm sorry. Oh man, I'm it's, sorry. This, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm not apologizing for that. I'm not. I'm not sorry. I'm not, I don't I'm not blame sorry. you. I know we talk about diversity and you know giving everybody a shot. And I'm yeah. gonna be honest with you, like as a black wrestling fan of 35, well, going on 35 years, you know you want to see people that look like you. You want to see people. And I, and I thought bringing Hit Row back was going to hit, but Hit Row has been a has been a miss row. And I don't know if they just need more time. I don't know. And I, and the thing I think the thing that bothers me about that is that B Fab does absolutely nothing. Like she's um, I mean, you know, she I mean she just I mean, is she just I mean is she just gonna be the valet or is she gonna get in the ring at some point? I mean, that's what I need to see because we know Zelina Vega can go. Right. We know that even though we would really like for Sarah Logan or Valhalla as she's known now to put some dog on shoes on. She can, <laughs> you know, we need, we don't, B Fab is the wild card. We don't know if she can step in and make this a triple threat type of deal or not. And that's one of the ones that I felt like Trips has missed on. Another one is the, uh, the, uh, the legend that is Karrion Cross and his obscenely hot wife, uh, Scarlett. Well, um, somebody I follow on Twitter. Oh, yeah, it was ESPN Frankie. Shout out my girl, ESPN Frankie. She said that. Karrion Cross is basically Tom the Tom Brady of WWE, an angry white man with a hot wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and when you think about it, that's actually right. Like Cross is just, you know, he doesn't do anything absolutely outstanding. You know, he's built like every other wrestler. It just happens to be that his wife, as she calls herself, is a smoke show. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, that's another one that Trips has missed on. But for the most part, most of the most of the callbacks have been pretty good. I, I got. I'm sorry. I want to just kind of just really touch on your point, Chris. I'll give it to you in a second. I have to apologize because because you're right, CJ. Like, I am like Issa Rae, man. I'm rooting for everybody black, right? Like, I, I don't want to be the guy who says the bad things about you know the black wrestlers out there because again, there's been you know not, not a lot of not a lot of opportunities for black wrestlers you know over the years. That being said, just just go away, 
All right, just like you got it, you got you got to like we we worked. I didn't, I wasn't a fan of them on the NXT level. Other, I mean, look, Swerve can go. Like I'm gonna take Swerve out of this. Swerve can go. Like Swerve Strickland, he can go. He's an AEW. He's fine. No, like, no he's, Roy, I, he's, I'm sorry, he Roy. was he was he was the group. The rest of them, they can't go. They can't. Yeah. No, I think this is really I not like more as a, as much of an indictment as the other hit members, but. Isaiah Smurf Strickland is awesome. And, like, I don't know, like, he's one of the, I don't know, people worth a darn to watch on that other program. Like, no, I I feel like, I don't know, like, they need, like, I, I mean, like, e- either you have a good character or you're good in the ring. They're neither. So you need to, like, I don't know, like, they just, they live in Orlando, drive drive to the PC, work on some stuff. Like, that's, like, that's what I feel... Like, like that's what I don't know if people realize is like, you don't need to be five star FTR, and you sure don't, and, and you don't need to be the Rock. Like, I don't know, like, like a group, like I, I don't know. This is bizarre, but one of my the more entertaining groups or tag teams I've I've had I've seen in the last five years are the Iconics. They can't wrestle a lick. They were just hilarious. Like, I don't know, like. Like I don't know Billy Kay or I, I think her, I think her real name is Jessica McKay. Jessica McKay, absolutely hilarious. She could she should have her own like stand up. She's amazing. Like I don't know, and they got a following just by being funny. And like I don't know, like that's what I think a lot of these teams and like I don't know, like just find what you're good at and double down on that. Like I don't know, like and like either have a look. Like <laughs> there's something that like that 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 a crowd will look at you like I like 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 Selena Vega just is just like this like I don't know she's a character when she comes out and her kind of the stuff she does people are looking people aren't looking at their phone people aren't going to the bathroom like I don't know like and like and that's what I think now with a lot of the the folks on the roster is there's something there like I don't know and I agree with Killer Cross or whatever the hell his name is now like he, like, I, I don't know, like, you can make it black and white, you can make it orange and black, you can make it red, like, bl- black and red, he sucks. Like, I don't know, like, they, <laughs> like, I don't know, like, that's just another guy that, like, is really just, like, I don't know, just, I, I don't know, like, he really had, like, he has the look, but that's it. Like, I don't know, like, he got, like, he has a look, like, I don't know, like, the tats and, like, I don't know, like, 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 like the, the very, very, very attractive wife, like valet, he has two thirds. It just unfortunate that he doesn't have the rest. I, I I apologize to to you guys, and I apologize to everybody listening. I didn't mean to derail this with my hit piece on hit row, but I I didn't. He had to get it off again. It's the end of the year. You get stuff off your chest. You know, twenty twenty three, New Year's resolutions, and you kind of start fresh, turn the page. Um, I do want to talk about though again some of the other stuff, sports stuff that happened, um, in the third quarter of. 2023 again eagle starting the season three and oh um before the end of september um the harden um uh, picking up the option for his, his final year and signing the two-year the two-year extension uh philly's going on their run um at the end of the season without joe girardi the sixers unveiling their plans for the new arena at the site of the former gallery mall um i think it's scheduled to debut in 2026 i believe if i have the date right i don't know exactly um but a lot of stuff happened on the national front again we got two major retirements in the world of tennis both Serena Williams and Roger Federer announced that they were stepping away from the game this year. Uh, Brett Favre was exposed from steal- for stealing from the poor folks in Mississippi. Robert Sarver was exposed as a racist. Um, Demi- Ime Udoka was exposed for stepping out on Nia Long, and he was later relieved of his duties. Um, we had the whole Kyler Murray homework thing. That was like three months ago. Like, it seems like forever. The Kyler Murray contract, you have to study like for four hours a week. That was like three months ago, which is kind of amazing to, to think about. Uh, but we also did lose a couple of legends during the third quarter of 2022. Rest in peace uh, to maybe the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time, Vince Scully, and definitely one of the greatest uh, basketball players of all time, Bill Russell. Um, again, Bill Russell has been um, he, uh, he's, his number has been on the jerseys of, of NBA players this year um, in honor of, of his um, basically of everything he did both on and off the court. And again, like uh, Chris Stevens, I ask you, you know, you were like the rest of us, like you grew up, you know, listening to Vince Scully, you know, call baseball games, call some of the, the, the greatest baseball games of our lifetime. Um, just give, give us a little bit of thoughts of, you know, what you what you remember about Vince Scully and what he meant to the game of baseball. You don't get guys like that you will closely identify with a sport as much anymore because yeah, everybody's true. a specialist when you think about it. Even 
now that you're even now that Joe Buck isn't just strictly doing football on ESPN, a lot of us remember him in the World Series, you know, in, in the NLCS and all of that good stuff. Vince Scully was the voice of baseball. There's there are a few people that you can say that are identified with that sport as the voices of it. You have Vin. We were blessed for most of our lifetimes until 2009 here in Philadelphia to have Harry Callis. You know, mm-hmm. New York had um, Phil the Scooter Rizzuto. You know, Detroit had Ernie Harwell. Vince Scully belonged to Los Angeles, but he also belonged to the nation because mm-hmm. when he was doing NBC games, NBC had the best broadcasting crew of the decade in all sports because you would have Bob Costas doing one game, maybe an, 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 an AL game, and Vince Scully doing a National League game where they would switch off on weekends. And one of the first games I ever remember is game six of the 1986 World Series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear this grandfatherly guy, you know, little dribbler up first behind the bag. It gets by Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets are going to win it. You feel like, wow, something crazy just happened. And yeah. it did. And it, that's how great Vin was. Like he could just stick to the script until it was time to go off the script. Not a lot of people have that knack anymore. Like there are a few people like that that can just, you know, give you the give you the nuts and bolts of it and then rise to the occasion. But then there are some folks that are always on 10. And I like the guys on 10. Don't get me wrong. I think Gus Johnson's great. Kevin Harlan honestly should have been the voice of NBA on TNT a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But Vince Scully is one of those guys that just, you know, kept you even keel until it was time to really get turned up. And, you know, just thinking of a guy that went with that team from Brooklyn to Los Angeles, then made himself a national figure because his first major call wasn't even a baseball game. It was the catch Joe Montana to the white Clark in the 81 NFC championship game. So that type of versatility and that just that voice that last generations just doesn't come along anymore. And, you know, it then was a very major loss for us. No, it was a huge loss for, for us, huge loss. Uh, for for the game of baseball and again like that like that man's career has spanned decades and, and he saw everything and he he called against some of the major sporting events uh, of our lifetime like Chris said both football and away from football as well so again rest in peace to Vin Scully um, speaking of baseball uh, we do need to talk about the Phillies because again they made their first um, World Series appearance since 2009 their first postseason postseason appearance since 2011 um Smoke one on that Cardinals pack and the Braves pack and the Padres pack en route to the World Series. Bryce Harper, absolute monster during that Phil's postseason run. Whenever the Phil's needed a big hit, Bryce Harper came up to the plate. Bryce Harper delivered. Like, I think his batting average was something incredible during during the postseason run. Um, so, Chris Domingo, let me ask you. I mean, I know it's kind of early in the Bryce Harper tenure and the Bryce Harper era here in Philadelphia, but I don't think it's too early to say that he's already cemented himself as one of Philadelphia's all-time greats, is it? No, no. I, 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 great players are remembered for runs and heaters, and I don't. And I, I think Bryce Harper's twenty twenty two playoff run is. You could put that up with anything in the last thirty years. I, I, I mean, like I can't think of a sustained, important run as, as I guess as prolific as Harper's. I, I I mean, like, like usually, like, I don't know, like, you could probably point to Foles, but, like, I don't know, like, Foles had two games. Like, it wasn't, like, long. But, like, I don't know, like, Harper's went at the end of the season plus the playoffs. Like, like one, like, I feel he's almost underpaid now. Like, I, I don't know, like, kudos to the Phillies for, I don't know, like, like, kind of realizing that, like, I don't know, like, for what you're paying Harper, you're getting – you're getting the whole package for, for a superstar. You're getting like, I don't know, like like the on-field production. You're getting the off-field production. You're getting like, I don't know, the locker room stuff. And like, I don't know, the lifting of the team. Cause I feel that I, I feel that like just being his presence just gets his teammates to play a little harder. And that's really hard. Like and, and the ability to lead by example or not by example. And I think I think it's almost a matter of like, I don't know if, and I think that contract will age a little better than I think everyone thought it would. I thought like, I think people thought like, especially with the, with the DH in the NH, 
in the National League now. Right. It's like, I don't know, you're not going to have, like, I don't know, this guy just like, I don't know, like suffering playing 130 games in right field where you can have the guy play 140 as a DH and still be an all No, and, and, that's, and that's the thing is, you know, even when, you know, kudos to the, to the Major League Baseball, one of the good things they've done over the past couple of years, they made it the universal DH this year, which again, if the Phillies didn't have that, if Bryce Harper, who needed Tommy John surgery the entire year, if he wasn't able to be the DH this year, Phillies don't have that run. I mean, the Phillies don't make the postseason. The Phillies don't make the World Series. Um, and we don't see the, the magic that we saw from Bryce Harper this year. So again, kudos to Bryce Harper. I think Middleton said, you know, like before, like after the NLCS, I think he joked with Bryce Harper. He's like, yo, it's like, I think we might have underpaid you. I mean, I don't know if you want to tell that guy to his face, but I mean, like, I think he Joke with joke with Bryce Harper and told him that. And I think he's right. I mean, I think like almost regardless of what happens, I think Bryce Harper, you know, was worth every single dollar of that contract that he got. Um, but again, that was and just I, one. Oh, of, yeah, and, oh, oh, sorry, Roy. And, and I think the Bryce Harper effect had an effect on the offseason yeah. with Trey Turner signing here. Like I, I don't know. Like not a lot of guys are are leaving that much scratch on the table to like I don't know like play with a buddy. But I, I mean, it's not like he got. Not like the guy's gonna be suffering, but I mean, like I don't know, like Philly has become a destination city for free agents in baseball, which I think, like I don't know, because I think that that's a really big thing in sports. Like I like because I think the problem with the Sixers is this hasn't been. Like I don't know, like they've gotten spurned by a bunch of free agents. Like I don't know. Sorry, we got we, we got the Seeger King, who averages one point a game. But, like, I, I feel that, like, I don't know, like, having that kind of cachet, being able to lure free agents in to sign for less, like, that, that that's a notch, like, that's a notch in your, like, like in your cap. Yeah, the, the Phillies don't, pro- probably don't get Trey Turner if they don't have Bryce Harper. They probably, they may not re-sign JTM Muraluto. Um, without Bryce Harper and again like that's the big thing it's like you know it's one thing to have a have a guy have a big name free agent but it's another guy to have a big big name free agent slash recruiter who could bring in his friends bring in other guys you know so, you know have that you know instill that locker room culture that other players and other teams see him like hey man I want to kind of did that right what's that Jalen Hurts kind of did that like Jaylen, I don't know yeah. like yeah yeah like he was probably like he was banging on the table let's trade for AJ because they, they had a like they had a friendship so I, I mean like that's not some sort of kind of, I don't know, like fake thing where like, I don't know, right. guys like playing with their friends. Yeah, and, and hopefully bangs the table for Miles Sanders and brings that man back at, at, a, <laughs> at, a, at a market contract because, again, Miles Sanders is a key to this football team, just so you know, Chris Domingo, I just want to let you know that. Um, Phillies, not the only team, you know, who made a postseason run, this a deep postseason run. Shout out to the Union who made the MLS title game as well. The Eagles are currently in the midst of their run. Uh, to the Super Bowl, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, nationally, I do want to talk about um, the AL home run record broken by one Aaron Judge and and Chris Stevens. Let me ask you a question because, again, me and Chris Domingo debate this all the time. And so I would just ask you the simple question. The Major League Baseball home run king is who? Barry Lamar Bonds. Thank you. 73 Thank you. home runs. Thank you. 762 of them Johns all time. Mm. I'm going to tell you this. I want people to understand that baseball writers, the, the people that are both for the Hall of Fame, are the most obnoxious hypocrites on planet Earth. And that's the most I can say because we're on FCC time and I ain't trying to get Roy and Chris in trouble. Thanks. But that being said, you got to remember that if you're going to punish, you know, guys for juice and you need to punish the people who look the other way when this was reinvigorating baseball because when Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire, wow, Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire <laughs> played for the Detroit Pistons. Mark yes. McGuire played for the St. Louis Cardinals. When you have Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa during the summer of 1990, guys, that's going to be 25 years this summer. Can you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. We get no, we, we get no, but yeah, <laughs> besides that, the summer of 1998, that was the summer of love for baseball. You had this big hulking guy from the, um, from the inner empire of California, inland empire of California, reinvigorating his career as an absolute monster. You have this smiling Dominican Republican guy who is who is bringing the joy back to baseball in Chicago on the South side. And nobody cared that those dudes were juicing until people started wagging their fingers like, oh, these guys are cheating. And 
And the crazy thing about Bonds is, number one, we still don't know if he actually really failed the test or not. So this is all hearsay. I mean, granted, you know, who does whose head doesn't get bigger after 35 years old? I mean, it happens, man. Yeah, it happens. But anyway, um, the thing is, Bonds was a Hall of Famer before the alleged juicing. Thank you. Like, we're talking about this was a dude who had a couple of 40-40 seasons, a few 30-30s. And he just saw the attention that those other guys were getting, and it just it rankled him to his core that he maybe did that. But at the same time, the way Bonds' hand-eye coordination is anyway – all it did was just turn doubles into homes. He still would have been like a, a 3,000 hit guy anyway. So it just ended up being with a little, about, probably about 250 more home runs. So <laughs> for me, Barry Bonds is still a Hall of Famer. And people that are keeping him out and guys like him, like Clemens, and I hate Roger Clemens. I think he's one of the worst people walking planet Earth. But if, you're, if you think he's not a top five pitcher, you're crazy. Yeah. Clemens, Bonds, Sosa, McGuire, they're really being victimized by people's um, persecution complex at this point. Oh, it, it is what it is. Shout out to home run king Barry Lamar Bonds. Um, we have, a, again, a lot more to talk about, so I'll kind of run through this next part really quick. But, um, again, this this was the, the the last few months. We got the Dream on Green punching Jordan Poole in practice, the whole Jeff Saturday Indianapolis Colts thing, U.S. making the knockout round of the World Cup, uh, the White House executing the prisoner swap from Brittany Griner, bringing Brittany home. Um, finally, after after nine months, and and Chris Stevens, I have to ask you again. Oh, I have to ask you because we didn't get a chance to. Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State for Colorado. Now, again, as an uh, HBCU alum, you have a very unique perspective on this. So, again, we don't have a whole lot of time, but I do want to I do want to get your reaction to the whole Deion Sanders thing. Really quickly, <clears throat> a snake oil salesman is a snake oil salesman is a snake oil salesman. Deion Sanders does not care about anybody but himself. That has been Deion Sanders his entire professional career. We're talking about a dude who talked about how badly he wanted to play with Jerry Rice, Steve Young, and those guys with the 49ers won a Super Bowl, then turned around and went to play with Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith, and Troy Eggman in Dallas the very next year. The same <laughs> guy who made it a show that he was going to play in an NFL game one week, one night, and the World Series the next. Right. I think with Jackson State, the Southwestern Athletic Conference and HBCU culture didn't bank on was they just didn't, they weren't familiar. The, the, the quote the Shaq meme about Christian Wood, they weren't familiar <laughs> with his game. Right. Like, this is a dude who literally is going to be about himself until his casket drops. I imagine that even when he gets to the pearly gates and St. Peter says, My son, what have you, and God says, My son, what have you done with your life? Deion will say, Well, God told me to do this, and God gonna be standing right there like, I ain't say none of that, you know. <laughs> and it's just like, it, it, it's terrible for because HBC because he held himself up as a savior of HBCU culture, something that didn't need saving, right? Because we already, you know, as a Delaware State alum, you know, I've been to Howard University, I've been to Hampton, I've been to North Carolina Central, North Carolina A and T, I've you know met people from Florida A and M and Howard University and all that. The culture is fine. The athletics we need to work on. I will say that, that we need more resources funded in. And it's it's not a two-year job. Like, he literally was in Jackson State for two years, got that 25 million for Colorado and said, peace out. This is something that has been happening to HBCUs. HBCUs have been underfunded since the beginning of time. It was just recently announced um, by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations that the state of Tennessee has underfunded Tennessee State University, the uh, flagship HBCU in Tennessee, by half a billion dollars. You're not going to fix that in two years. Yeah. And imagine, you know, how many other HBCUs around different, you know, southern states have been underfunded. Yeah. And for this guy to, you know, uphold, uphold himself as a savior and then cut when the going gets tough, it's not cool. And I'll never apologize for saying from the start that Jackson State hiring him was a bad idea. I mean, I hate to be an I told you so kind of guy, but I told you so. Yeah, no, it is what it is. I can't, and like you said, we we all, all kind of knew what Deion Sanders, you know, what the brand of Deion Sanders is. Um, so you know, him leaving like that, you know, wasn't that surprising uh, to most of us. We have about fifteen minutes left, so hopefully that's enough to kind of get through this next segment um, again. But when we talk, when the three of us get together and talk wrestling, it can kind of go off the rails. So I apologize in advance if we don't get to everything. But we did want to kind of put a bow on twenty twenty two by giving you, giving you what we think are some of the best. Uh, wrestlers, best moments, best matches of the year. Um, let's start. 
let's start with the breakout star, and I'll go to you, Chris Domingo. Who was your who was your breakout star of 2022? Ooh, I actually I actually thought about this. I didn't write it down because I don't like writing stuff down because it could be because it removes from my uh, nature. Um, you know what? I'm gonna say the artist formerly known as Walter Gunter. Ooh, I, I feel like, that I like, like I don't know like. I think even before the Triple H era, I feel that like I don't know, like, and I know people like, like, were up in arms about the name change. I feel the name change, like, I don't know, like, it, like, that fit Walter or the artist, FKA Walter, and I feel that bringing back Imperium and just giving that kind of like a good. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know League of Nations, not like that crap one that they had like a few years ago, but like Bad News and like, and, and, and Mira. No, this feels organic. This feels like a faction that should be together. And, and like, I don't know. I just think like the character just works. Like he's a ring savant. He doesn't like when dudes do flips. Like he's like Braun Strowman, but as a character, but as like, I don't know, like, but as like a character that's like, I don't like your flipping. I like ring like no, I like doing headlocks and it, it's it's fantastic and he just has fantastic matches. Like I don't know, like Walter is the example of let your ring prowess speak for itself. And like I don't know, he's a pretty decent character, not great, but it doesn't matter when you can chop dudes into oblivion. You can have like I don't know, he's had like if you had to do a top ten of matches in WWE this year, he has like three or four of them. So yeah. kudos to my breakout guy, Walter. Yeah, he's yeah, he's right out there. Um, in the interest of time, I'll, I'll be brief on mine. Um, I think Carmelo Hayes has had a fantastic 2022. I think he's been the star of NXT. Um, he'll be up on the main roster very soon, and then you'll see him, you know, headlining WrestleManias maybe in a, in, a, in a couple of years. So I will go with Carmelo Hayes on mine. Uh, Chris Stevens, I don't know if you have anybody different. No, I like Carmelo Hayes too. I feel like <clears throat> that he's just one of those guys that you'll see, as you said, on the main stage in the short run, like – I really want to program with him and Montez Ford at some point. Mm. I don't know who's going to be the heel in like that particular it. instance, but those two could literally pull together a Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle 2005 kind of run and just absolutely tear the house down wherever they go. So, yeah, Carmelo Hayes is my breakout star as well. I like that. I like that. Uh, match of the year. Let me go first with this one. I will say, for me, I didn't want to see it before it happened. I, when, when they announced the match, I'm like, you know what? We've seen this 7,000 times, and I'm tired of it. But Brock and Roman at SummerSlam, to me, was the match of the year, specifically the spot, again, where Brock pulls out the, the tractor or the truck or whatever and, like, flips the ring up, like, literally lifts the ring up, and Roman Reigns is falling out the ring. Again, it was a, a, a rivalry that I thought was dead and buried and done and, and over with. Brock and Roman put, put together a – I don't want to call it a classic because that term gets thrown around a lot, but they put together a very fantastic match at SummerSlam. So for me, match of the year, Brock and Roman at SummerSlam. Uh, Chris Stevens, I'll go to you. What was your match of the year? I'll agree with that one as well because we had a feeling that Roman was going to walk out of there with the title. We just didn't know how. Right. Because right. when you have a guy that's on a heater like Leite, Joseph, and Noi, NY is, you can't break it up. Even And even Brock understands that. So they had to figure out a way to make it where Brock was still this absolute – killing machine that <laughs> it would take an act of God and a few other things, including probably the kitchen sink to keep him down for a 10 count. And that's exactly what happened. Like they literally buried that man under every available loose thing in the arena. And he still yeah. ended up powering out not long after the 10 count. So Brock still looks like a, a, a beast and Roman still is the guy. He's still the head of the table. So I feel like that's my match of the year as well. What do you, what do you got, Chris? You know what? I was going to, you know what? I got compelling evidence to say in terms of biggest, ma like best match for the business, because I like throwing in that word, it's Brock Roman. It's no, like, because I was going to say, like, I don't know, Walter Sheamus, but in terms of the scope of the business, like that solidified Roman as the Duke, as the, uh, like, he, he was in God mode. And just solidified Brock is just like a dude that will just do the bid and look awesome. Like will make everyone look great doing it. And because I feel that that was something that that clouded him where like, he would not look good losing. And he looked, he looked fantastic losing all those matches. Chris Stevens, what was your moment of the year? It might not necessarily be part of a match or anything. Just a singular wrestling moment uh, that, that made you pop this year. What, what was that? 
I don't know if it made me pop, but it absolutely changed the way that we've seen wrestling in the last, like just the way the business has gone since this gentleman took over in 1982. And now 40 years later, he's out the door. It has to be what happened with Vince. Mm -hmm. And you would never think that someone of Vince's magnitude, I mean, we're talking about a dude who had, who had a match with himself and his son, Shane versus Shawn Michaels and God and made himself the winner. Like, this is a dude who literally blew himself up on television one week, had a tribute show for a wrestler that we shall not name the next, no. and, and then had to back up off of it, but didn't completely back up off of it. You yeah. never thought Vince, Vince McMahon was like the Jay-Z of sports entertainment. Like, you just never thought his run would end. But when it ended, it ended in spectacular, in not spectacular fashion. I mean, I guess disastrous fashion. Yeah. But look at how the look at how things have changed. Like he 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 lost his fastball a long time ago, and no one had the heart to tell him that, or no one could get get it through to him. But now, just look at how much better and cleaner the product is. Even Michael Cole's having more fun on commentary. <laughs> absolutely, you know, that is absolutely the game changer for me. Is Vince, you know, either retiring, being forced out, whatever. It means that. There's going to be an interesting thing because someone made the point on Twitter. This is Triple H's first time in a big chair heading to WrestleMania. So excited to see what he comes up with. Yeah, no, that and that was that was my news story of the year. Although it could be the moment of the year, um, just for the sake of, sake of being different. Um, my my moment of the year uh, was Cody Cody's return at WrestleMania. I mean, we kind of knew what was going to happen. And if you if you follow the dirt sheets, you kind of know knew what was going to happen. But Cody's return at WrestleMania and the reaction that he got. At WrestleMania was an absolute, you know, one of one of, one of the biggest uh, moments in wrestling in the past, I'll say five or ten years. So for me, that was my moment of the year. Uh, Chris, what do you have? I I would say that the two you gentlemen referenced were the two biggest. But you know what my favorite was the hug, the hug, the hug <laughs> from the honorary ooze to the ooze, and the best storyline since since Daniel Bryan the Yes Movement. And I feel like I don't know, like. This is just like I don't know, like like I watched SmackDown a couple weeks ago. It felt like just a TV program where like I don't know, like solid storylines, but you come to watch Family Matters, Samoan style, where you have like I don't know, like the Winslows, the those that known as the Bloodline. Like it, it, it's it's fantastic, and I'm just I'm glued in, and the, and they throw in, they're bringing in new characters every couple weeks. In a couple of weeks, the man who just carried, like the man who carried the, the company for a long time, John Cena. Like I don't know, this is this is the best storyline they've come up with, come up in a long time, and I'm just I just have no idea how it, how it's going to end. I, I mean, I have an idea on on the series finale, but I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah, and, and that's why I didn't say, you know, what's the best faction of the year or what's the best storyline of the year? Because like, we're all in agreement on that. We don't have to discuss that. But I do want to ask you, you know, maybe maybe this is your, your you know, related to what you just said. But who is your tag team of the year? I assume you want to say it's the Usos, but I don't want to presume. Yes. No, there's no other answer but the Usos. See, for me, there is. Oh, well, Chris Stevens, you have a Because I have a different answer. Like, I'm, I'm different on this. I don't want to be that guy. But I got to say, the Acclaimed has had a hell of a 2022. I mean, I don't really care for most of the AEW's product, but those dudes have are extraordinarily over with the AEW crowd. Again, they're entertaining guys. They can wrestle. I mean, the Acclaimed have had a fantastic year, so kudos to them um, on AEW. So that's my tag team of the year. I don't know, Chris, so you're probably different, Chris Stevens. I got to start with Mr. Domingo. I just feel like Jimmy, <laughs> they have really, you know, stepped it up, you know, because we already – Jay Uso was the unquestioned one of the unquestioned MVPs of the PC era. And now that him and Jimmy are back together, as much as I love the new day, it was time for the WWE to kind of move on from them sort of a little bit. And you got Roman Reigns cousins, Rikishi's oldest boys, and they have carried the weight of that family probably just as well as Roman has. I mean, granted, Roman is the guy, but you can't just have him be out there by himself. You know, you got to have some, you got to have some assistant chefs with the um, head chef in the kitchen. And those dudes have cooked up some bangers this year. And I don't know who takes the belts off of them, but it has to be absolutely phenomenal because those guys are just the, they are the best tag team in the world right now. I can't make a case for anybody else but the Usos. 
And again, speaking of people who've had a great uh, 2022, I think we're probably all in agreement, agreement, excuse me, on the female wrestler of the year. I think you kind of alluded to her earlier, Chris Domingo. I'm sorry, Chris Stevens, um, Bianca Belair. There's um, no other answer. Yeah. There's no other answer. Anyone, yeah, anyway. like, anyone <laughs> who even thinks about another answer is disqualified. It's like you become the Chris Sims of wrestling if you think that there's anyone on like I don't know, like it really feels like she's on a tier, and the next person is like three tiers below her. Yeah, she's no, like I, I don't know. She is. She'll go down as the greatest women's wrestler of all time, and that might be in the next three years. Yeah, no. If she if she wants to if she wants to kind of you know hang around because again she's she's going to have every opportunity that everyone else had before her has had times ten. I mean, she's got the whole entire package. So if she wants to do movies or whatever, TV shows, or whatever, she's can she can do whatever. So yeah, she's 2022 the female wrestler of the year. I assume we're all in agreement on the male wrestler of the year. I think it's the tribal chief himself, even though the man has the greatest contract in terms of having to show up in off days and things like that in the history of life. Because the man don't wrestle, and he really don't wrestle on TV. But Roman Reigns has had a tremendous 2022, and I think we're all in agreement that he's the male wrestler of the year, Chris Stevens. I think, I think we agree. Yes, I feel okay. like if we're just, I mean, if we're talking just like for, you know, just popularity, I have an opinion on who the actual MVP. Right. That's that's my next question. In 2022. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I feel like, you know, as far as like the guys go mm-hmm. that, you know, for what Roman does, he absolutely is the wrestler of the year. All right. So we got like three minutes left. So we'll, we'll keep this as brief as, as possible. Um, but Chris Domingo, let me ask you the actual MVP of 2022. 45 seconds. Who do you got? Seth Rollins. Why? The absolute utility player. He is the, he's probably the most in this, like he can, he can start the year trolling Roman with that shield thing, which honestly, if you ask me what my favorite moment, like other than the hug, my favorite moment, that my favorite match of the year was that, like it's, it happened so long ago. People don't talk about it. That really, like, um, if this bloodline thing doesn't, like, just spread like wildfire, you really should be building up for Seth Rollins to end this because he, like, they they built it so he would because he's the only guy that can get into Roman Tech. So Seth Rollins can go do that. He can cut this killer promo with Riddle to basically make the guy go into rehab. Like, I don't know. Like, no, like, I, like and then you could throw <laughs> him. Sorry. Like, no, no. And, or you could throw him into a Bobby Lashley feud. You can throw him into the Austin Theory program. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you can throw him into anything. And he really, like, and this interview, like, he did an interview, I think it was before SummerSlam. He said something so self-aware and poignant. And it, I, I felt like it was almost, I know it was Ara, with Ara Hawani where he said, I think I'm just going to be the edge to, like, I'm going to be the edge to Roman Cena. Like, he, he feels like, I don't know, where he's, like, he's just living in this era where, like, he'll never be the dude. And even though he's he's been, like, the dude, like, I don't know, in, in, in wrestling circles. Like, I feel like he'll never get that 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 next level fame, but in wrestling circle, he he's going to be an all-time great, like, first bout Hall of Famer. All right, we got we got to work with you when I say forty five seconds. We got to give you that little clock thing on this one. So that's yeah, fine. sorry. No, bro, Seth Rollins. It, you you convinced me. Sami Zayn was my guy because again of everything he's done this year. Back in at WrestleMania, he wrestled Wee Man. He was wrestling Wee Man at WrestleMania, and now he's part of the biggest angle in in sports. But again, Seth see, Rollins I feel he would be breakout player for breakout wrestler for me. And, and that's uh, and 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 Sam, Sami Zayn again. Has, I mean, Seth Rollins to me has been the MVP of WWE for the last five years so or four three or four years i shouldn't since the pandemic i'll say so i always side with him really quick mr stevens you have anybody different nope i agree seth rollins you know from the from the programs to the outfits oh my god when that dude came out the um to whatever it was clash the castle just like elton john i was like yeah this is my guy (laughs) this is it you know this is seth rollins you know he is the mvp of 2022 so yes yeah yeah, no, he's had he's had an amazing run, and hopefully, again, we were able to catch you up on an amazing 2022 and get you ready for 2023. Again, you can find our actually. Let me just I'll turn it over to you, Mr. Stevens. How can people find you on the Twitter machine or wherever you're going to be, and and check you out on the radio next week? Well, until um, you know, Mr. Tesla 
Shuts Up Shop. I'm still on Twitter at CJ Writes and Things. That's CJ W R I T E S, the letter N T H E N G S, T H A N G S. You can find me on there pontificating about sports, music, automobiles, learning how to play guitar. Roy Burton's going to get me out of the paint for probably being too thirsty over attractive women. So you can count on that at least once or twice a week. And um, for my overall website, just go to chrisstevensrights.wordpress.com where you can find all of my writing, my podcasts, my, my novels that I write. And I'm a very accessible dude. You know, let's just chat it up. Let's be cool. And let's find each other wherever the next social media thing is going to be once Twitter does kick the bucket. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it as always for having you join us. And that is it for this edition of the Broad Street Line. We'll be back with you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. But until then, we are out of here. Mr. Domingo, take us out, please. Happy New Year, everyone. See you guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.